I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. Item number SCP-6111. Object class, safe. Special containment procedures. SCP-6111 is kept in a standard secure locker in Site-19. SCP-6111 is now kept in a reinforced secure containment locker with additional biometric security measures restricted to personnel involved in Project Promptu in Site-19. No writing tools are permitted within 20 meters of the locker outside of Project Promptu to ensure the continued effectiveness of containment. At the end of every month, a group of hand-selected and specially trained personnel are to carry out Project Promptu. Personnel will be hand-selected by the project lead with approval from the O5 Command. Description SCP-6111 is an average-sized 200-page, 137-page blue hardcover book. Dating estimates the book to have been produced circa 1960. SCP-6111's anomalous ability manifests when the name of a living individual is written on its pages while the writer visualizes the subject's face. After a period of five minutes from writing the name, the target individual will be spontaneously transported to a large, unidentified mountain range with heavy forestation designated SCP-6111-1. Testing of this effect has revealed that all personal items, i.e. clothing and worn equipment, will be transported with them with no notable side effects. If the target individual is already present within SCP-6111-1, then writing their name will transport them back to the location they were taken from instead. Exploration of the region strongly suggests that it is located somewhere on Earth, with the sun and moon rising as expected and astronomical observations aligning with current charts. The precise location of SCP-6111-1, however, has yet to be identified. Initial exploration of the area has also demonstrated no apparent limits to its expanse, nor any visible civilization of any kind. The only noted difference between this space and our own is a notable time dilation effect. Research is also ongoing as to how the purely floral ecosystem has sustained itself, as well as why this dilation effect has not resulted in the natural evolution of any animal or insect life within the region. Experiment Log 11-5-1980 Forward after discovering the time-dilating characteristic of SCP-6111-1 during initial testing, it was decided that further exploration of the region would be necessary to ascertain the nature of the time dilation as well as the physical limits of the space. Procedure D-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1
and D-8469's names will be written on a page in SCP-6111 to account for the relative time difference within SCP-6111-1. D-5331 and D-8469 will be equipped with a standard survival kit, including tents, several days' worth of MREs, and basic survival tools such as a compass, flashlight, spare batteries, etc. Both subjects have been instructed to wait approximately three days before writing their names on the page again in order to return. Neither has been informed of the anomalous nature of SCP-6111 or dash one. 1315. D-5331 and D-8469 are present in the testing chamber, separated by a reinforced glass panel. 1316. D-5331 is instructed to write his own name as well as the name of D-8469 on the page from SCP-6111 using a standard black ink ballpoint pen. 1318. So is something supposed to happen? Aren't these things supposed to, like, kill people and shit? 1319. Oh, I don't know, man. I feel fine, I guess. I'm, I mean, we got all these supplies, so, like, we must be going somewhere, right? D-5331 is abruptly cut off as they vanish from the testing chamber. Ah, fuck. 1321. D-8469 also abruptly vanishes from the testing chamber. D-5331 spontaneously manifests in their original position after a longer duration than expected. The subject was immediately questioned regarding their time in SCP-6111-1 and the apparent absence of D-8469. D-5331 stated that after the first few days, they thought they would be able to escape the Foundation inside SCP-6111-1. After nearly a week had passed, they realized that there wasn't enough food to last. D-5331 reported that D-8469 proceeded to attack him after a particularly heated argument, resulting in D-5331 wounding him in self-defense. D-8469 is presumed deceased from their injuries. Conclusions Based on the experiences of both subjects, supported by the amount of supplies they consumed during their time within SCP-6111-1, it has been determined that there is a roughly 1 to 1200 difference in timescale. This would mean that for every month spent inside SCP-6111-1, subjects experience roughly one century. Due to this, excursions into SCP-6111-1 that last longer than a few minutes are ill-advised. SCP-6111 Incident Report On 11-9-1980, SCP- 
broke containment and proceeded to rampage through a D-class cell block, damaging multiple cells and freeing their occupants in the process. During the chaos, D-5331 somehow managed to abscond with SCP-6111, having gained knowledge of its function through assigned exploration testing with the object. Before site security identified the missing item, D-5331 managed to write his own name into SCP-6111. As D-5331 stole the only known instance of SCP-6111, obtaining any information pertaining to either the individual or SCP-6111's whereabouts has been designated a high priority. Addendum 1 Approximately three days after the theft of SCP-6111, multiple D-Class were suddenly reported missing from their cells. Security camera footage has shown that these disappearances all occurred within a short period of each other, and all missing D-Class were located within the same cell block as D-5331. During further investigation, it was discovered that D-5331 may have also stolen a list of names for D-Class personnel on site from the cell block warden's office. This, in combination with the sudden and unusual disappearance of D-Class from the same block, suggests the possibility that D-5331 was somehow still alive and aiding other D-Class in their escape from Site-19. Within a matter of a few weeks, a total of 937 D-Class also disappeared, all having some form of interaction with one another in a sort of daisy-chain effect, further supporting the idea that SCP-6111 is being used to smuggle D-Class out of Foundation facilities across the globe. It has also been speculated the use of SCP-6111 may have been involved in a number of minor thefts and raids on smaller Foundation facilities, all of which had at least one D-Class disappear from their holding blocks prior to the event. Missing D-Class have been reported walking through the sites from which they disappeared on several of these occasions, but all missing individuals have eluded capture thus far. Among the items stolen are general supplies such as food, books, and toiletries, as well as more notable items such as weapons and ammunition, access cards, and several classified documents. A steady increase in the frequency and severity of these incursions suggests a significant population may now likely reside within SCP-6111-1. Addendum 2 On 12-10-1980, D-4756, one of the missing D-Class, was captured raiding the supply stores of Site-19. D-4756 was seen entering the storage area by site staff. When security teams arrived, D-4756 was found huddled in the corner of a room with a large backpack and several bags filled with miscellaneous objects similar to previous reports. D-4756 also had a standard-issue security rifle in their possession. 
When ordered to relinquish the weapon, D-4756 refused and opened fire on the security team. Security personnel returned fire, critically wounding D-4756 before the subject abruptly disappeared, leaving behind several of the bags which they had dropped, as well as a crumpled piece of paper that appeared to have been torn from a book. The page had a number of names written on it, each one corresponding to a missing D-class, including that of D-4756. Given the possibility of a connection to SCP-6111, researchers attempted to bring back the individuals listed on the page. Of the names listed, only were able to be recovered by writing their names on the page again. It was noted that D-4756 was not among the recovered D-class, likely having died of their wounds shortly after disappearing. Interrogation of the recovered individuals revealed that a settlement had been built within the anomalous region accessed by SCP-6111 shortly after the theft of the book by D-5331. D-5331 had deemed himself their savior and promised freedom in this new world, free from the Foundation. The D-Class also revealed that they had, in fact, been using SCP-6111 in order to steal supplies periodically as needs had grown significantly over the years inside the internal region of SCP-6111. In addition to the information obtained through interrogation, several of the D-Class had been found possessing similar pieces of SCP-6111. In order to verify the statements of the recovered D-Class and assess the current situation within the anomalous place, Agent Michael of MTF Alpha 4 Pony Express was briefly sent in using the page recovered from D-4756. Agent Michael's orders were to avoid all contact and reconnoiter the area before using the page to return. Upon Agent Michael's return, he confirmed all of the information divulged by the recovered D-Class. The existence of an entire city of D-Class capable of spontaneously teleporting into and out of Foundation facilities was considered too high a risk to let continue without immediate action. Agent Michael volunteered to infiltrate SCP-6111-1 and recover SCP-6111. On 12-12-1980, Agent Michael, posing as D-7815, was introduced into the ranks of Site-19's D-Class holding block, where a significant number of the missing D-Class had escaped. Within several days, Agent Michael received an opportunity to escape with several other D-Class who had been in contact with the inhabitants of SCP-6111-1. Agent Michael took the opportunity, disappearing into the anomalous place, secretly in possession of one of the recovered pages provided by the Foundation. Approximately one hour after his disappearance, Agent Michael reappeared inside Site-19 with SCP-6111 in his possession. A debriefing interview was conducted immediately following his return. Interview Log Please state your name. Michael Perfect. So, Michael, could you tell me what you saw during your undercover mission into SCP-6111-1? You want me to start from the holding block or jump straight to Dream City? Dream City? Yeah, that's what the D-Class are calling the place. 
They started calling themselves the Dreamers. Said it's because they're no longer disposable and they're free from the nightmares they endured in the Foundation. Interesting. Please continue. So yeah, there really isn't much to say about the block. A uh, surprising number of D-Class have heard of the place. It's sort of turned into D-Class heaven for some of the guys. I, I couldn't believe a lot of what they were saying about it, even after seeing it from a distance. When they finally brought me in, I was amazed. The place was beautiful. It was like some kind of Garden of Eden. The inhabitants may be death row inmates, but they were kind and appreciable. And some of them had even started families. Others built their own homes with the resources inside Dash One. It was really peaceful. How did you manage to steal SCP-6111? Well, once I got in there, it was actually hard to pin it down. Uh, because of the accelerated time inside, D-5331 was obviously long dead. It had been passed down to someone else. They practically worshipped the guy, you know? He was like some kind of saint to them. I guess I can see why. I don't see how that's pertinent to recovering 6111. You said they passed it on to someone else. Hmm? Sorry. Uh, they gave it to this guy that they voted in to take the place of D5331. He lived up in one of the bigger houses. Looked older. Probably started building it a little after 6111 was stolen. It was decorated with all sorts of stuff stolen from Foundation sites. That lines up with the reports we were receiving. After that, I just sort of slipped in the back and took the book. Put my name on the page he gave me, and here we are. Looks like there's quite a few missing pages, though. We should be able to recover a significant number of the escapees with what's been written in SCP-6111. Thank you for your hard work, Michael. When it comes time to take in the rest of the colony, you're welcome to join the operation. Was there anything else important that you wanted to add? Yeah, actually... What is it, Michael? I don't think we should invade them. I mean, yeah, we should probably recover the pages, but... There's so many people living there that were born there. They, they're not D-class. That place is all they know. Would it really hurt to just leave them alone? What? All I saw in that place was peace. I know some of these guys had done some messed up stuff, but most of them seem to have either changed or died of old age. I don't think it's our place to ruin these people's paradise. Agent, do you realize how big a risk that would be to the Foundation? We've lost a significant number of D-class, for starters. And you want to let them go, based on the goodness of their hearts. They're killers. Murderers. The worst of the worst, Michael. Yeah, but we just had a horrible breach at Site... Because the D-Class and the Femur Breaker disappeared. Good people died because of that. People I knew. I'm very sorry for your loss, sir, and I understand Do that... you understand, Michael? I still think they should be allowed to stay. Those people have been tortured and killed and and frankly massacred and mutilated. The ones that are born there haven't even committed any crime, but I know how this place works, Benedict. We're going to take them out of that place and throw them in a jumpsuit anyway. How are they any different from the rest of the people we protect from these monsters? Poor bastards we put in things like the femur breaker had friends and family too. They were someone's kid. I think they deserve... That's it. You're out of line, Michael. Your time in that place has clearly affected your reasoning. This interview is finished. Benedict, wait. Addendum 6111.3 Redacted Following its creation with the approval of O5 Command and the Ethics Committee, Project Promptu has been deemed the most appropriate means of dealing with the current situation. Access SkipNet Email One New Message Project Promptu Rizabot has expunged some information that is above your clearance level. For questions, please contact Riza. 2. Carlson, 
Jeff at skip.net, from Samirian Jeremiah at skip.net, subject Project Promptu. So congratulations on your new position as an ethics committee member. You must be wondering why, with all the more entertaining things the foundation deals with, why you were charged with this, one of the lesser-known anomalies monitored by the Ethics Committee. You could have been assigned to any number of ethically questionable projects. Goodness knows there's plenty in the foundation. But no, you're working on this one, an SCP probably no one has ever heard about with a vaguely ambiguous situation that seems to have wrapped the whole thing, that seems to have wrapped the whole thing in a neat little bow. I know you probably have so many questions, and I did too the first time. What happened in the last addendum? What happened to the Dream City? What's Project Promptu? This message is here to fill you in on the details. The document you just read was meant to make you ask questions. First of all, there is no Addendum 3. There never was. It and Project Promptu are there by the recommendation of RISA in the case of a security breach, so that if this goes public, then everything sounds like it's been handled. I'm here to tell you what 6111 really is. I think it's kind of stupid, but whatever. The only personnel allowed to know the truth are the overseers and the ethics committee, so counting you, Carlson. But before we get to those answers, let me tell you an old story. Back in 1980, the foundation as you know it was in quite a predicament. At the time, most of the world's developed countries were starting to ban the death sentence. Even life sentences were being fought. And given that those were the major sources for our D-Class program, you can probably guess why this didn't bode well for the Foundation. At the time, we didn't have reliable technology with which to grow clones. Well, at least no technology that wasn't being reserved for bigger priorities. We were forced to make do for quite some time with the average number of on-hand D-Class at a site sitting around a thousand or less. And we had a few dangerously close calls thanks to these circumstances. Obviously, this is no longer the case today. Things changed when D5331 stole the book. Somehow he managed to build a city of D-Class inside SCP-6111-1 and stole a significant portion of what D-Class we had left. Within a few weeks, most sites' D-Class numbers were down to the double digits or less. We had to do something. Well, at this point you're probably caught up. The O5 decided to send in Agent Michael and tear the city down. They considered the threat of an anomalous city of D-Class too great to just live and let live. We all expected some resistance, but we weren't expecting a war. We sent in an MTF to do the dirty work and clean out the ones we couldn't manage to bring back with SCP-6111. When they got to the city, the D-Class were already prepared. They had put an army together from their own stolen gear and scraps and turned their little city into a fortress. We lost a lot more people than we had anticipated. The Dream City fought back against us with tooth and nail, clawing back every inch of the way. Of course they didn't want to go back. Who wants to be considered disposable? Some of them even went so far as suicide, preferring to go out on their own terms than at the hands of some monster contained by the Foundation. In the end, we took the city. The D-Class that survived were amnesticized and sent to the facilities that needed them most. There still weren't enough. During this process, their leader offered a compromise. Yeah, none of us were expecting that. His proposition was, at the end of every month, we take what we need out of their city and amnesticize the rest. And in return, they get supplies and get to live out their lives in peace. It's a weird sort of compromise, but this way, when the D-Class in the cities pretty much lived out their perfect life, we wipe their minds and get to use them as needed again. That's Project Promptu, and we still use it when we need D-Class to this day. 
Their leaders then tell those that are left behind that their bodies are given a burial ceremony elsewhere and we all move on with our lives. We've left a portion of SCP-6111 as collateral for the supplies we provide and kept the other portion so we can retrieve the month's D-Class and follow through on our end of the bargain. It's a perfect loop. With the amount of D-Class we received through the project, there's no real need for using up vital resources like SCP to clone them. That's not to say we don't get them from elsewhere when an exceptional or urgent need arises, but 6111 helps cut down the other less savory methods. Even the ethics committee understands that sometimes we must do difficult things and finds it challenging to argue this one. I mean, the D-Class get to live a whole life in peace. What we need them for effectively becomes a really bad dream. We all sleep a little better by looking at it that way. We have a member of the ethics committee embedded in their leadership. This member is called D-5331 by the inhabitants of Dream City. D-5331 is a role we gave to each one of us every month. D-5331 is the one in charge of Project Promptu and has the rights to visit the dimension to ensure the project will continue. It was even me for a month. Heck, it might be you one day, or another. Overall, we let them live in the light so they can die in the dark. Is it bad? Is it good? Well, it's somewhere in the middle. Remember, we are the SCP Foundation. We don't deal in black and white. We are gray, and it will stay that way. Secure. Contain. Protect. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, head over to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Kelsey Narrates and help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. I'm not going to get rich doing this, but it does take money to keep a podcast running. All patrons get early access to every episode I publish. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their links in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki. Upvote their work and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki, and we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people, or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the foundation.